a tendency that we humans have is to believe that the circumstances of our life, the conditions of our life, are what will determine how our life is, how we are happy or unhappy, sad or angry or joyous and so forth. And it's a natural tendency because one of the capacities of being human is we could manipulate circumstances in ways that other beings don't have as much flexibilities and abilities in this. Of course, all beings can manipulate, change, control, work with their circumstances, and yet we humans seem to excel at this. And certainly in the last let us say, several centuries, if not millennia, we could see all the more of this. And we can see how much emphasis there is on this in our society. Nothing wrong with this, except we get in trouble if we believe that's the primary determinant the primary factor which results in whether our life is joyous or suffering, whether our life is one of fear and anger or one of compassion and wisdom. In a way, we can say the Buddha's teaching is all about clarifying this life for us or even more enabling us to clarify this life so that however and whatever the circumstances that we are in, we are able to live those circumstances, respond to those conditions it, with, I'll say it, clear mind, clear heart, rather than the confusion and delusions which lead to suffering and harm. And that's why our practice is so simple and straightforward in many ways. We don't need special, unique circumstances. Of course, we create circumstances of a space where we can 
be still, upright, quiet, and, and yet our practice, if I say it in one word, that ancestors have talked about, it's the word of shikan, just, or just this. So whether it's just this sitting, just this walking, just this clarifying, even clarifying koan, just this working, or all the other conditions and circumstances of our life. So let me bring up a case that can help us clarify further this fundamental matter. This is from the Mana Shobogenzo or Shinji Shobogenzo of Dogenzenji. It's case 101. Zen Master Weirang of Nanyue. And please excuse my poor Chinese pronunciation. In Japanese, it's Nangaku Ejo. Went to study with the sixth ancestor, Wei Meng. The sixth ancestor said, Where are you from? Nanyue said, I came from national teacher of Songshan. The sixth ancestor said, What is it that comes thus? Nanyue could not answer. He attended the Master for eight years and worked on this question. One day he said to the Sixth Ancestor, Now I understand it. When I first came to study with you, you asked me, What is it that comes thus? The Sixth Ancestor said, How do you understand it? Nanyue said, to say it's like something misses it, or alternative translation of those the Chinese characters are, if you try to explain it, it does not hit the target. The sixth ancestor said, does it depend upon practice and enlightenment? Nanyue said, it's not that there is no practice and enlightenment. It's just that they cannot be defiled. The sixth ancestor said, Just this non-defilement is what Buddhas have maintained and transmitted. You are thus, I am thus, ancestors in India are thus. Non-defilement cannot be defiled. See, it's not that there is no practice and enlightenment or awakening. 
It's just that they cannot be defiled. And yet, and yet, somehow we believe defilement. And that very believing defilement creates all sorts of troubles. And that very unawareness of believing defilements creates all sorts of troubles for us. What, what might this defilement be? What is it, how can we defile what cannot be defiled? How can we defile what cannot be defiled? Can we defile what cannot be defiled? Cannot be defiled. If we look, reflect on the Gatha of Atonement, the phrase is harmful actions, or if you want to use other words, you could say evil actions or evil karma born of greed, anger, ignorance, born of greed, anger, and ignorance. Are those defilements? Are we practicing to try to get rid of certain aspects to change and fix certain aspects of our life and then to be, quote, okay, whether it's to purify them, purify our greed, anger, ignorance, If we believe that, that much we're still seeing our practice as a practice of undefiling the defiled, to make up a word. That much we're getting in trouble. That much we're keeping ourselves from what comes thus. We're keeping ourself from ourself. That much our belief, even as we practice, 
It's almost as if we climb up one stair and we climb down another stair at the very same time. Of course, that's not quite possible. And yet, we can make trouble that way. To further add another dimension on this, I want to bring up a case from the Denkoroku. Denkoroku is the transmission of light that's written by Keizan Zenji. Master Keizan was the fourth ancestor in Japan from Dogen. Ehe Dogen, Ko Nejo, Tetsugikai, Keizan Joken. So the fourth from Dogen is Keizan. And he put together this collection called The Transmission of Light, which starts with Shakyamuni Buddha and goes down ancestor after ancestor in the lineage to Dogen and then to Koenejo. So he has a text for each person. Whether it's historically accurate or not is really irrelevant because what it is is his expression of aspects of practice awakening And that's what's valuable in it. So he has a case of Rujing. Rujing is Dogen's teacher in China, or Tendon Yojo. Rujing is asked by his teacher, how can that which has never been soiled be cleaned? Notice the echo of the earlier case of the sixth ancestor, but more specific. How can that which has never been soiled be clean? How would you answer that? Or how would you answer it? What comes thus? I neglected to ask you that. So, Rujing works with this. How he works with this, we don't know. In a way, as I said, our practice is shikan, just. So it's not a matter of working to get an answer. If we treat whether koan or other matters as I'm going to try to do something to get an answer to this. We already missed this matter. Then it becomes my getting some outcome. And as long as we maintain that sort of attitude, then our practice becomes about me doing things in the universe and getting things in the universe. It's a continuation of, if I say, manipulating circumstances and conditions 
but instead of them being physical circumstances, they become mental, emotional, other kinds. If you want to say practice is shikan sitting, shikan taza, wonderful. If you want to say shikan koan or shikan case, then it's just being that case, whether whether it's what is thus. It's not to get an answer. It's becoming and being what, who we always are. Eventually, Ru Jing says, and this is translation, I have, I clean that which is not soiled. I have hit upon that which is not soiled. Now, how is that an answer? Hmm. How is what Nanyue says, to say it's like something misses it. To say it's like something misses it. Notice this to say it's like something very much matches with the tendency, I am going to do something, get something, fix something, change something, explain something, understand something. experience something. For those of you who've been in the class and reading Joko's book, Nothing Special, this is, in a way, a dimension of this chapter that we just read about experiences and experiencing and the differentiating between something experiences and experiencing thus comes. Being thus comes experiencing. Being this practice when we're just practice, undefiled practice, when we're undefiled practice, undefiled confusion effort, when we're undefiled confusion effort, not when, because we are undefiled confusion effort. Being awakening, because we are undefiled awakening. Because we are thus, we can be thus. This is what Buddhas and ancestors maintain and transmit. What we always are. You get what you always have been. You are not going to get something that you haven't been. What have you always been? You've always been selfless. If we say it another way, practice 
is not self-practice, self-enlightenment. It's always been non-defilement practice. And yet, as soon as we carry along self-practice that much, we turn self into delusion. Or to say it a different way, as Dogen says, to advance self and confirm 10,000 things, confirm the universe, confirm our various life conditions, is delusion. Delusion isn't anything more than the lack of clarity about what always is so. The, not only lack of clarity, but the insistence that our unclear story is the truth and therefore is the basis of how and what we should do. How and what we should do. Now, as some of you know, Dogen likes to, what should I say, take cases and play with the words a little in order to clarify it further and in order to encourage us further. So as I said, this case that I just cited is in a collection of 300 cases by Dogen, sometimes called Shinji Shobogenzo, sometimes called Mana Shobogenzo, Chinese Shobogenzo, um, to differentiate from the other collections that are called Shobogenzo that are various fascicles that many of you are familiar with some such as Genjo Koan or uh, various other case uh, fascicles those often draw on some of the cases in the Shinji Shobogenzo um, And often Dogen cites these cases in the Ehei Kuroku. So, for instance, this case that I read, he, he cites a number of times in um, the Ehei Kuroku, and in fact he praises it quite highly um, in one case, in one uh, Comment. The Ehe Kuroku is a collection of Dogen's comments in, the, uh, in Eheji. Eheji was the temple monastery that he founded. Um, and uh, every, no, I don't know about every night, many nights he would go into the Dharma Hall and give a short discourse, some of them as short as three, four sentences. Some of them could be 10, 20 sentences. So he cites this particular case a number of times, and one of the times he cites it, he says, Weineng and Nanyue have spoken like this. Today, how can I not say something? Tell me, great assembly, do you want to understand this clearly? The highest fruit of Arhat practice is the new attainment of extinction with that, through discernment. Um, Kundanya 
was verified, uh, was verified for his attainment of patience with non-arising. At just such a time, again, how is it? And Dogen was silent for a while. And then he said, We must smile at the beginning of this story about that fellow Nanyue. Upon exerting his power, he could express 80 or 90%. Now for Dogen, that's very high praise. 80, 90%. So what does what what is he praising 80-90%? So a little in another fascicle of Shobogenzo called Imo, at the very end he cites the case, just the beginning of the case, what is it that comes thus? And he says, study thoroughly his statement that all things are invariably what comes. What is beyond doubt? beyond understanding, but just what? Study thoroughly that the one or every single thing is not other than what? What is not to be doubted? What thus comes? Notice, Dogen turns us around from our tendency to go, what comes thus? and to add a question mark and look for an answer as if that's the point. And he's saying, what comes thus? Thus comes is what? Again, trying to turn us to see that our very question, what, is the opportunity and the ability to practice the undefilement that we are, the non-defiled thusness that our very functioning is. Because we are from the beginning non-defilement, we can be thus right now. We can be thus right now. That's what we maintain. Then, taking care of all sorts of circumstances, even the circumstances of arising fear, even the circumstances of arising anger, even the circumstances of arising confusion, is simply manifesting this non-defiled you are thus, I am thus. Ancestors in India are thus. This, this expression you are thus, I am thus is often used in some transmission documents or services. This is where the Buddha starts from the beginning. All beings are the wisdom and perfection of the Buddha. All beings. That includes everyone in here as well as everyone 
you ever encounter are the wisdom and perfection of the Buddha, are the thus, actually the wisdom and perfection of the Tathagatha, the thus come, the thus come. Nothing but that. That's all we encounter from morning to night. And yet, our unwillingness of experiencing this is what makes us need all sorts of skillful means to release that holding to self-centeredness, release that belief about them, me, needing to fix, not okay, and all the reactions that come out of that. That's how we clean what's never been soiled. See, then cleaning's no problem because we don't believe that our cleaning is about making something that was not okay, okay. Therefore, we take care of cleaning up the dirt on the floor. Therefore, we sweep the dust. Therefore, we take care of the arising moment. Therefore, there's no problem if there's dust that seems to be on the mirror because there never was a mirror and there is no dust. And yet, we clean what's not been soiled. See, this is what comes thus? What comes thus is what each of us from, if I say, our birthright is this unborn Buddha. That's what enables us to practice. Because we are Buddhas, if I use that kind of word, we are able to practice Buddha practice. If we weren't then we wouldn't be able to sit. We wouldn't be able to manifest this unceasing change that is our life. Wouldn't be able to manifest this non-self moment, moment. Okay. I have talked too much, but we can explore this a little further in terms of our own practice opportunities. See? Explore further. What is it to, if I say it in this way, to go beyond our conceptual understanding because we are beyond our conceptual understanding. Not that the conceptual understanding is the problem, but not to treat what is not subject to that, to those limitations. That's being beyond doubt, this what 
Then we could answer what comes thus. Then we could answer what is this like? We answer it with our life functioning. We answer it with our effort. We answer it with inhaling, exhaling. We answer it not by answering it, but by manifesting this experiencing that not one of us is alienated from or any distant from at any moment. Okay, I'll stop now. Thank you. If you want to change your positions, feel free to do that. Didn't we just didn't we just (laughs) do it? You speak, I respond. Nothing wrong with concepts. They're great. We didn't have concepts if we didn't manipulate circumstances. We'd be very hot in here because there'd be no air conditioning. We wouldn't have been able to cook food on the stove. No problems with that. When we get caught with these conceptual understandings, at least I do. Then that's a wonderful opportunity to notice when you're caught. See, that's the only thing you need to take care of. And you can notice that, you can sense that by noticing where you're, if you want to say, feeling harmed, feeling angry, feeling fearful, that's a reminder to notice where, what's happening. Those are simple reminder opportunities, if we say it in that way. It's our human tendencies and our human culture encourages us in ways to perpetuate self and other, to perpetuate fear and anger and greed as reactive habits. That's just part of the ballgame of being human. It comes with the territory. Just like having sunshine to to uh, nurture the plants in the Midwest also means having high heat. It just comes with the territory. If we have a problem with that, if we become particularly upset because we wake up and say, another day, the sun's going to be so hot, then we can't skillfully respond to the circumstances because our mind, body, is clouded, if I use that kind of word, 
despite the fact that it's clear we cloud it for ourselves, and we can impose it on others when we go to next person and tell them how terrible it is you know don't you know how terrible it's going to be today it's going to then in a sense we're encouraging them to share with us that confusion delusion if we say it in that way despite the fact it's not so for them. Is that poisoning? Well, you tell me. <laughs> what, what happens when it happens with you? See? In a way, it's fine. That's what people do. And you see the results of that. All sorts of turmoil and tumult. And yet, our practice, if I use that kind of word, is to not be holding to that, not believe that, not feed that in ourselves and others, because the, we don't want the consequences. There's no problem with doing it, except the consequences are we don't like it. We're not happy. We suffer. Other people suffer. Now, if you want to suffer, fine. But, that, I mean, if you want to say, and you've heard this, you know very well, you know, the Buddhist teaching is about, if I say it in such a way, it's crude, suffering and an end to suffering. It's not about any other magical thing. And the end is really to, dis- to clarify that from the beginning... You are thus. So then you can end what hasn't been. So in a way, if we, for instance, if we pick up the phrase, whether we pick up what or thus or non-defilement, we could pick that up as a support, you know, like one of the legs of this table, to support us when we notice that we're believing defilement. Oh, I'm believing, I'm holding, and we notice it because of the habits that manifest as our life, the cause and effect habits that manifest as our life, whether in thoughts, whether in feelings, whether in physical reactions, whether in and you could list all the different facets of, of clarifying what human functioning is, they seem automatic, as you know. They seem true. They seem valid. They seem like the best way to fix the problem. You know, if I get angry at them on the phone, then they're going to do what I want, and then I'll be happy. So what do I accomplish? Maybe I'll accomplish getting beating them down and getting whatever I'm trying to get out of them. Maybe I'll accomplish getting upset and angry and harm here and there, suffer here, suffer there on the phone. I'm holding the phone like an old-fashioned phone. I've got to <laughs> remember that people don't do that anymore. See, it's old habits come automatically. <laughs> you show someone an old phone, they don't, if they're young enough, they don't know what you're talking about.
Yes. One question that comes to mind when I listen to this talk is what is to be learned from this talk? If you take away anything, that's up to you. In a way, you don't have to carry anything away. If something resonates so that when you are next caught up in believing some forms of self-defilement, judging, or self-judging of others, then that, noticing that, is your opportunity right there to, in a sense, be the experiencing, if I use that word, be the present moment and therefore be free of the harming or the suffering that it's created or be free of the doing something as a reaction to it that causes more trouble. You don't have to remember anything of this, but maybe a point or two will stick or will resonate so that not that you carry it along. You don't have to carry it along. I've got to remember this. got to remember this. We're humans. And it's very interesting that our abilities are include the capacity that when circumstances arise, things that we've heard, things that we've reflected on, pop up to enable us to respond to the circumstances. Or habits of responding pop up. That's part of the nature of being body-mind-human, if I say it in that way. Therefore, we can either hold on to habits, or we could just as well release habits, because we sense out of the cause and effect of our practice, we sense the difficulties that the holding to the habit, to the reacting out of it, is somehow not this moment, is instead creating difficulties. So that's one thing you can carry on. Or carry nothing. That's fine. Because you don't really need to carry anything away, but something hopefully, when it's appropriate will arise that will be helpful. Otherwise, there's no point in me talking. You don't need me to talk. You can just sit and everything will become clear. Everything is clear. See, in a way, when we sit or in our practice throughout life, everything is clear. And interestingly, as we sit, we discover the both the clarity and where we're clouding the clarity that's unclouded, if I say it in such a way. And in a way, it's simple. Because there's no, not so many toys to play with while we're sitting, we don't, we don't distract ourselves. We have a habit of distracting ourselves with toys, all sorts of toys we humans like. Some of the toys are physical, some of them are mental, some of them are mental habits, some of them are other sorts of things, some combinations. 
So the practice point is always right here. Yes, Lisa. I have definitely believed in defilement in huh? the sense that, you know, I've always had the thought that, um, well, per se, when, when anger comes up, and I think, you know, something happens, and I think that jerk, <laughs> I'll use that word, or something like that, then, um, I think, I think, you know, I guess the idea has always been, you know, that's, I hate that part of me, that's bad, and if I just meditate long enough, then I'm just going to clean that all up. And that's going to clean what up? The, the bad the, stuff. <laughs> what, what, wait, what's bad? Like the anger. Who, um, who's the jerk? Reactive, you know, anger, you know, uh-huh. getting really angry over something stupid or uh-huh. whatever, you know, that somehow magically, uh-huh. if, you know, I do it this long enough, then that just won't be there anymore. And that, that's always been, so the belief in defilement has definitely been yeah. there for Certainly there's an aspect of that in, in Buddhist tradition where you purify the mind and that's actually what Dogen was, a, was addressing when he was talking in that Ehe Karoku section. See? The highest fruit of Arhat practice is the new attainment of extinction through this sermon. Attainment of non-arising. See, if it and certainly, purifying, fine, try it. But if you're going to purify what's dirty, then along with the purifying attitude comes the belief that it's dirty. That's what Ru Jing's expression was. I'm going to purify what's never been soiled, if I change the words. See? But those two things are contradictory then. Oh, so, so what? what? What's wrong with contradictions? See... We believe that uh, we are, we are, it's, we believe the either or world picture that we have of ourselves. Just like we want to believe, I am in here in this bag of skin and bones and I'm not out here. And I and you and you are all separate. See, as long as we hold to that, then we're going to keep on doing things based on that. Then it makes sense. If you do what I don't want, then I should get angry at you and that'll change you. See that? And all of that just keeps building on one, another, and another. And we keep adding these bricks that we insist on. They're not there. They don't exist anywhere except every time we insist on them. That's what we want to do to create what isn't so. See? Create some way of denying that we are nothing but the wisdom and perfection or virtue, whatever word you want to use, of the thus come. That's, That's the Nirvana Sutra and the Avatamsaka Sutra both have phrases like that to articulate Buddha's awakening. The point is to see where, in a way, it 
even in our practice, we could bring along that old habit. So it's almost like we're trying to, to fix what we think is the problem with the very problem itself. Now, in a way, that's okay. If we use soap to clean dirt, that works. And soap is dirt. It's dirt along with certain other products that enables us to dissolve the dirt from whatever it's sticking to. And yet, if we believe the dirt story, then even as we're cleaning it, we keep on insisting to ourselves it was really terrible, it's really dirty, and therefore we infect ourselves, so to speak. We perpetuate the self-centeredness so that that habit comes out in other ways that we respond to the life circumstances, to the constantly changing life circumstances. So when they suit us, good, I'm happy. But when they don't suit me, they don't suit what I want, then I'm going to get angry. And that's you know, what I need to do in order to fix circumstances. And that, that's sort of bringing along the poison as we're trying to treat the illness. Or we're using the poison when there's no need for it. That poisons us. So, it's not that the efforts are the problem, it's what we carry along with the efforts. See, it's not that there is no practice, says Nanyue. It's just that it's not defiling. Then, we make all the effort that's appropriate. Yeah, I'm sorry. No. You, you have to know I don't see with this eye, so so if I look a little off, all of these people cease to exist. <laughs> Go ahead. I just, what would you, like, how would you explain the use of defilement in those readings? Okay. Um, because it's just kind of a strange the, word. Okay. Um, think of it as that um, anger, if I get angry, I'm a bad person. So saying I'm a bad person because I got angry is the defilement. In other words, it's taking what's never been bad and believing it's bad. See, So it's approaching what it is that we're trying to, working with that we see is causing a problem but approaching it in a way that does that perpetuates even after the so-called problem is handled perpetuates the problem itself okay. right, just not experiencing the experience and making things okay I, yeah. was, I, I was struggling with defilement so. well defilement is just a phrase well For instance, you're an attorney, so you deal sometimes with guilt and innocence, sometimes. But guilt and innocence is about a particular behavior or event. 
It's not that this person is by their nature guilty or evil or whatever. If we add that on, then whatever we do is in a sense whether we find them so-called guilty or so-called innocent of this particular crime and do whatever uh, the court does as a result, it perpetuates the fact that they are always going to be an evil person. We just have to look out the the next times they're going to do that same thing. In a way, because our practice is so simple and so intimate, intimate meaning it's about our very function, at the same time, it's important to have it be clear so that in this subtle intimacy that is our functioning, we don't bring along the habits and tendencies that whether culturally or whether as a result of, call it, um, uh, past cause and effect, it doesn't subtly continue what has been and caused problems or subtly continue the self-centeredness or self-other way of seeing what our life is, seeing what it is we're doing. See, if we know what we're doing, then we know from the very beginning our practice is the practice of being who and what we always are, not becoming someone else. And yet, being who we are sometimes seems the most difficult because we want, for some reason or other, to be other. To look for somewhere else and something special. And if it's not so for you, great. But if it is so, please notice it and see what's appropriate to do with that. What's appropriate that nurtures your being who you are rather than your being some dream that you tell yourself you need to fix or nightmare? It's it's like Waking, well, I shouldn't use that example because it has too many, well, I'll say it anyway and just say that there's precaution. It's like waking from a dream and then insisting I've got to go back into the dream to fix, to take care of that problem that, that was in the dream. You know, I've got, I've got to tell those people in the dream that I was right and they were wrong or whatever. And doing that, you'd say, hey, 
That's foolish. You don't do that. You can't do that. You're, it was a dream. You're not there. It never happened. And yet if you insist on it, you make trouble for yourself because you're out of touch with the reality of the moment of your life. In a way, our practice is discovering where we believe where where we have been believing a dream and trying to fix the dream as opposed to discovering, hey, that's just a dream. Fine, dreams are fine. If you know a dream's a dream, it's not a big deal. Just it's a dream that comes and goes. So what? Of course, as soon as I say it's a dream, then, then we start getting ideas. Well, there's dreams and there's waking up, so we have to get woken up from the dream, and then we believe that, again, defilement story. So, so though I say words, and that's the problem with those things, though we are nothing but this, we still make the effort to be this. Though we are nothing but us, still there's something for us to do. Yes, Linda. I'm sorry. Uh, Kosh. Speaking of uh, toys. Yes. Uh-huh. And hearing you talk about the dream and, and you know, you're not there. Well, in texting, you're not really there right now anyway because you're not... What do you mean you're not there right now? Well... You're not really with the person, and you know if, if they don't respond, you know, or right at that moment, then you're left sort of hanging, and and, and then you get bothered. And <laughs> oh, 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 oh! It's interesting. You're left hanging. So, what? That's good, and you get bothered. That's good. It's good to notice what am I believing about being bothered. That's bothering me. Or you're you're very right. We carry along these defiling stories that if I write a text, I should get an instant response. If I don't get a response. Something's the matter. And that I have to respond instantly. So if I'm walking down the street and and a a text comes, I have to do this and miss where I'm walking and everything because right away I have to. You know, people sometimes have a hard time turning off their cell phones for a short period of time, even just to sit at Zazen. How, How can I do without that? But it's also the same, even if we're with other people, if someone says something and I get upset about it, 
I've got to tell them back right away. I've got to do it. Can't let them get away with that. That's another kind of... And th- those are habits. And some, some of, sometimes those habits come up without us even noticing them. See, that's why, in a sense, practice requires us to notice where that's happening. When we're believing it. Sometimes we only notice it after it's shot out of our mouth. And then we walk away and we go, I really got them. I really, oh. Or we walk away feeling, ah, I didn't, I didn't, ah, I didn't, ah, I know what I should have said. And then we carry that along. You know, I know what I should have said. I, I know the response I should have given. When we hold on to that, we see right there the habit of what, what's been happening. Okay. Thank you.